You are listening to the Pencil and Paper Podcast Network. Welcome to the Palace of Megapixels. This is Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo! Hello and welcome to Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I'm your host, Stephen White. And while I would love to introduce my sister from another mister, she is on holiday for her anniversary. And we had debated on doing maybe a mini pod or just canceling the show in general. But you know what? I decided I decided we'd go a different approach. So with the stars seemingly to align perfectly, it seemed appropriate to do a little cross-promotion. A little brand synergy, if you will. You know what I mean? So, without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to my newest podcast host, not of this show, but another show on the Pencil Paper Podcast Network called Horror Ramblings that premiered this past Friday the 13th. Because Horror Friday the 13th, it goes hand in hand. We should all know this by now. And if you are a fan of the horror genre, then you can hear us discussing, analyzing, and reveling in all things horror. While I've officially only known him for a year and a half, it feels like it's been a lifelong friend. Please welcome to the Palace of Megapixels, Lester Blosser. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for having me on the show, Stephen. And thank you for being here, because I didn't want, you know, everybody needs a break every now and again, and you know, I didn't want to cancel a show. I didn't want to deprive our siblings of uh, what we have going on. Plus, like I said, we're doing a little brand synergy, so... Our podcast that we do, Horror Ramblings, just premiered its first episode. Uh, it seems like we're getting some traction a little bit. You know, people are interested Picking in some up. way. Picking so, up. I'm anxious to see how it goes. I'm anxious to see um, if we find an audience. Because, let's face it, there can be a little cross-pollination uh, between video game people and, and horror fans. So oh, yes, most definitely. I'm hoping there are people out there who love horror films that are listening right now and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe they have a horror podcast that they like, and that's fine, but maybe, you know, hear what we got to say. We're not just breaking down movies. We may do that at some point, but, you know, we're we're talking about a wider swath of, of details, I guess, in the genre of horror. I, I think it would best be described as the podcast that we're doing, the Horror Ramblings podcast, is more like sitting around a bar, talking with a bunch of friends. Because mm-hmm. that's really what it feels like. It just feels like we're just chit-chatting about everything. We might get a little philosophical on some things, and we might just talk about crazy off-the-wall things the next show. But, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it went this Friday the 13th. We have gotten some traction on it, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, for sure. And I'm excited to talk about it. Like you said, it's a... Um just chit chat to your buddy, you know, you, you sit there and you, you have a topic. It's like, oh man, what would, how would this go if, you know, this horror movie or these characters met up with one another or, hey, what about, you know, what's your favorite scary movie or what's, what's the one you hate the most and, you know, the topics you have with your buddy. So, oh yeah, kind of join in and we want audience participation with that too. So if you, I'm, 
I personally feel like horror fans will tell you point blank <laughs> what they like and dislike. So, And they're not going to be hateful about it. I think we've even discussed that on that episode. That uh, I believe so, yeah. Prem- uh, premiered that the horror community, is they're, they're solid people. You know, you've got your few bad actors here and there, but most of the time people are in the community. They understand, you know, this is a love that we have, a shared love, and everybody wants to revel in it the same way. Oh, of course. And, you know, with the video game aspect of things, that is something that is planned for the future. I know we've mm-hmm. discussed that a lot. And, you and know, there, there's a, there are quite a bit, quite a few horror horror video games. So I can't wait to see where it goes. And actually, I'm really excited for all the listeners out there. I'm really excited to be on this show today. I've, I've listened to this show. The minute I knew about this show existing, I kind of just power fed through it. I was like, I got to hear this. I got to hear this. And the latest episode you guys did at the very beginning when you guys had your your debate you were discussing things i just was sitting there listening and i'm shaking my head in agreement and i'm sure i'm sure the people saw me driving around thought i was listening <laughs> to a banger or something because i'm just agreeing so much with what you guys are saying that i could have had better than dash for all i knew how much <laughs> i was shaking my head <laughs> and i i kind of like knowing that we have people out there who listen and, and feel like they're engaged in the conversation because to me that's the the one of the highlights of a great podcast because I do the same thing you know if I can sit there and listen to something and I'm nodding along or maybe even just chuckling laughing or maybe even feel like I have uh, uh, something I want to add to the conversation but I know I can't because <laughs> you know it's already been recorded but still you're just like ah, yeah but that and I think one of the worst offending things that I do is sometimes if I hear someone say something or they can't think of something and i'm sitting there going this is what it is this is the answer you said it wrong you did it wrong this is what you need to know so i'm excited to have you here i'm excited to talk to you a little later because we're gonna we're gonna do a little deep dive into lester and then we'll talk a little bit more about horror ramblings um i wanted to bring up a few one topic real quick before we dig too deep into everything uh, one of the latest episodes of Podcasters Assemble has dropped. They're talking about The Dark Knight Rises, if you didn't see that. It also dropped on Friday the 13th, and uh, I participated there. Go check that out if you want to hear uh, everyone's thoughts about that. I personally kind of fall into a category where it's maybe the weakest of the Nolan movies, but I do appreciate what it's doing. You know, it's a little spoiler, so if you want to know where I stand, but it's, I got, I got a lot to say about it, other than just that. I, I try to, um, make sense of the decisions that were made, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's what I, I try to do. I try to look at it from a different lens and be like, well, maybe this is what the director was trying to do, or something like that. He's an auteur. He, he's odd like that. I, I have to admit, I'm, uh, I'm a little guilty of, uh, being a Keaton Batman fan all the way. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Every time he says, I'm Batman, I'm just like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> and I cannot wait to see him in the, the, I think it's the upcoming Flash film. I know there's a lot yeah. of drama going on with the actor that plays the Flash, but seeing Michael Keaton in the Batman suit again is going to be awesome. I know, and they keep <laughs> teasing us. Like, we haven't, I guess there is an official still that came out of sorts, but not from the movie. It was more like... um I don't know if it was a, a screenshot test or something like that of him in the suit. I want to see something official. I want to see Keaton in the suit officially from the movie just to see how it's going to look. So I'm excited about it, too. I think that was cool that he actually returned. He didn't have to, but I, I'm, I'm excited just to see him. 
Well, and and one one more quick note on on a horror uh, aspect of things. I guess you could consider it kind of a horror movie. He's talking about coming back to Beetlejuice. Yeah. And and playing Beetlejuice again, which I am completely for. I, I love Michael Keaton as an actor, so. <laughs> yeah, he's. I'm surprised it's taken this long. Maybe he's just found a new love to revisit these old characters or something. Because I know that's been a topic of conversation for so long, and so many people have made up these mock posters and got everybody excited, and it's never happened. But if he wanted to make it happen, you know, him, Tim Burton, get together and try to figure out what to like, what would be the next step for Beetlejuice? I mean, I'm I'm down. There's there's still time too. He's he's still able to do it. That's all yeah. I could say. <laughs> Now, while also on the subject of Podcasters Assemble, I did want to bring up something that I added to the website uh, in relation to that. So when I do, and this is a little secret to my uh, approach to Podcasters Assemble, it's not everybody's approach, it's just mine. Uh, I like to write out, you know, a big two-page piece, give or take. It just depends on how I'm feeling about the movie at the time. Uh, explaining my feelings about the movie that we are discussing and... I have saved most of the things that I've uh, recorded or like written and recorded. And I was looking back over them and I, I started thinking about it and I have deleted a few and I started to regret it because I thought, you know, these were complete thoughts. These were kind of like my own review for the film. So why not put it out there? Why not find a place for it, put it out there? And, and that way, if people want to just read my thoughts, my review of this thing, there's a there's a way to do it. So I added a blog page to PencilPaperProductions.com. It'll be under the extras tab called Podcasters Reassembled, and it will essentially take you to links that are pretty much blog posts taken from those uh, recordings. Everything that I wrote is posted on there, so you can read my complete thoughts. But at the bottom, I've also linked the episode that that was featured in so you can see the process so i kind of feel like it's not just about reading my thoughts but seeing how the process works within podcaster symbol and how they take what i wrote <clears throat> and what i recorded and then edit it together in their full episode and hopefully help you appreciate it even more because i still think the concept is so brilliant and i, I champion it all the time I'm so grateful that I got to be part of this group, you know, and, and find these guys because they're, they're a great bunch. They're hardworking. Uh, I would love to record, not record, edit an episode at some point just to see how it would be, but I don't have the time <laughs> right now. Yeah, so, well, their, their editing is amazing. The fact that they put that all together because, I mean... I've sat and listened to it with you before, and I've listened to it in, a, you know, in a few other capacities as well. And just all the hours that I can imagine that takes is ridiculous. I've not recorded on there before, but hearing everything that I've heard, mm -hmm. I think at some point I would like to give that a try. Because you, you talk so highly of them, and after hearing them, I, I see why you talk so highly of them. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think recording would be awesome on there, so... I recommend it to anybody, you, and don't think you have to do it like I do. That's that's the one thing I try to lay out, because I talked Lace into it at one point, uh, and she joined us for the Mortal Kombat 
uh, series that they did. So there were like we talked about the the movies, the games. There might have been something else in there that I can't remember uh, that we spoke of, but you know she she did it her way, and that's what I told her. I said, don't worry about you know what you think you need to talk about or anything. Just talk about it. Whatever you got to say about it, just talk about it. And that's kind of where I get into my headspace when I write these things. Is I'm like, okay. Here's the movie. What do I remember about it? What do I want to talk about? And I try to go <clears throat> in a different direction than some of the other people do. Not to try and subvert what they talk about or try to be uh, the outsider voice. But if I feel like there's some trivia about the movie that I want to bring up that I think is fascinating, I'd love to talk about that. If I want to talk about you know approaches or behind the scenes stuff or, or maybe even talk about the music because I know it's not a lot of people on there talk about the score to a film and sometimes that's just as important. So I want to talk about that and talk about what went into it. Anything that I can find that would be fascinating to kind of juxtapose with everybody else and their thoughts. So that's just my approach. Your approach needs to be how you go about it. You know, like what do you feel about? What do you want to talk about? And so if you're a podcaster and, and it just one of these movies is something that you have strong feelings about, chime in, you know, Th- throw your hat in the ring. It, there's no bad entry. Let's put it that way. Because I think that was another question Lace had. She's like, they're not going to use it. They're not. I said, no, they're going to use it. They're going to use it. Don't just don't just do it. So it, there's there's no uh, bad entry. That's it's about as good as I can put it. You know, your thoughts are, are just as valid as everybody else's. So keep your eyes open. Submissions are always open, as they say, and uh, links are always down below for both the uh, Assemble and Reassembled. So if you want to check that out, I've only posted three of my original posts and I've added pictures, too, because I thought that would kind of dress it up. So it's not just a blank uh, post of of words. It's pictures and everything that go along with the movie we're talking about. So I I thought that would make it uh, a little flashier and, and nicer to read. So, with that in mind, that's all I really had to uh, bring up up top. So, I'm going to ask you the all-important question that we ask every week. What have you been playing, Lester? Well, I've kind of been all over the map with uh, what I've been playing. Um, I got... It's not so much new anymore. I got uh, Pokemon Legend of Arceus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on the Nintendo Switch, of course. You know, Pokemon and Nintendo go hand-in-hand. Hand. Mm-hmm. Great game, actually. Uh, it's a prequel to all the other games. So you don't go battle in the gyms like you do in you know all the original games. You do field research, basically. Ah. You're you're getting you're getting all the information on all the Pokemon. Kind of kind of fun. The biggest thing that I thought was fun about it, um, you used to faint. You know your character used to pass out. Mm-hmm if all of your Pokemon fainted. And then you'd, like, wake up at the the medical center or whatever. In this game, if they all faint, you're on your own. You can get attacked by wild Pokemon and everything else. You gotta get away from them. Kind of right. fun. Uh, haven't really touched that in a second. I've been replaying some Grand Theft Auto. As weird as it sounds, I've been replaying San Andreas. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. To, to me, it's one of the best Grand Theft Autos. Mm-hmm. It, it always has been. I I played it with my dad a lot. He enjoyed it. You know, we don't take it too seriously. We just enter in cheat codes, play the hell out of it, have a lot of fun with it. Sounds like a way to go. 
Only other thing I've really been playing, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, I'm not as far in that as I would like to admit that I have been. I, I um, had that problem. <laughs> well, it's it, it's finding the time, you know. Things, yeah, yeah. things get busy, you know. Yay, adult life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, that's about... That's about all I've been playing. I mean, I'm I'm a little boring when it comes to video games. I don't play as much as I wish I could. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's about all I've been playing lately. What about you? Well, uh, the only thing I've had time for is Lego Star Wars, and that was kind of in the same vein as what you said, just finding the time. Like I I remember a time I used to be able to come home, maybe play for an hour or two. And that time has just disappeared. I don't. I, the only time I feel like I get to play is on the weekend, and maybe that's four hours at most if I get that carved aside. So, but yeah, I played some more Lego Star Wars. Um, I don't, can't really think I did anything major with yeah. it yet. I mean, I've I've been doing a lot of the because uh, I think I talked about last week on our review episode. And I had one of our uh, lovely listeners, Troidal Power, tell me and confirm to me that, yes, there is a 10th planet, 10th level, which is your free play mode, because that's what I was looking for, so I could go collect or whatever and, and just run around if I wanted to instead of doing the story missions, which I should do so I can get more characters. You know, that seems like it would be the smart thing to do, but I am I like to just explore. That's, <laughs> that's my biggest problem. Yeah. Uh, but, I understand that. But he said that uh, there is the, the free play mode after the fact, so play through it, you'll get to it. But I have found kind of a, a, a loophole, because anytime you kind of get into these in-between levels where you're supposed to walk to the next cutscene or uh, continue story point, sometimes they give you free reign. And when that happens, I just like, aha, I'm going to run around. I'm going to see what I can do now, what I can find now. And I've collected quite a bit, you know. So I've, I've taken advantage of that as much as I can. But I have come across a my first barrier is I met somebody, I think it was on Tatooine. I think I'm on episode two is where I was playing. And there was a open area out in the Junlin Waste for all you Star Wars geeks out there. Yes, I'm, I'm going to reference all this stuff. I'm with you. Anyway, um, you're out in the, the Jutland Wastes, and it's it's pretty much like an open world area. And while you're out there, I was running around, and there are missions, there are collectibles, things of that nature. I found a guy who gave me a mission to go on, and when he said, hey, I need you, I need a scoundrel or something like that to go do this mission, and you're going to fly the ship, and you're going to go here, you're going to deliver the cargo, yada, 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 and I was like, cool, yeah, whatever you need, and when I went to do the mission, it required me to get into a ship and fly off-world to a planet that I had not been, which is locked, so when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to have to do some planet hopping on these missions, so not all these missions are contained to the planet in which they are associated. So I was kind of uh, surprised by that and kind of excited at the same time. So I was like, all right, well, this this pushes me to continue the story, and I will. I just, you know, I get lost when they give me a new playground to run around in. I'm like, ooh, look at the shiny thing, look at the shiny thing, and I go after this and this and this and this and this, because I can't help it. I'm squirreling a lot when it comes to open world games. I love open world games, and I'm right there with you. I love to explore. If I can explore, I'm a happy guy. Yeah. And 
I was going to tell you after listening to the last um, episode, actually, I, I meant to text you about it. Uh, I remember when Lego Star Wars first came out, I rented it at a uh, random family video in town. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine was like, really? You, you, you rented Lego Star Wars? And I was like, look, I've, I've read a lot of stuff about it. it. It's supposed to be really good. Let's just give it a try. We ended up beating the game that night. We we stayed up the entire night. And to this day, he plays Lego games still. And he looks at me every time that a new Lego game comes out. And he's like, I am so thankful that you rented that game and you talked me into it. Because they are so much fun. And they are yeah. so underappreciated. <laughs> they are. It's it's That's what it's all about for me. It's playing with your toys and just having fun. I mean, there's it's not about, oh, you got to be so awesome at video games to play the... Because that's one of those video game biases, this hierarchy. You gotta be, you gotta get good. You gotta play Dark Souls and beat that, and then you're a gamer. Yeah, and it's it's like you gotta play on the hardest difficulty on every game you play, or you're not a real gamer. You know, most people just play to relax and have a yeah. good time. I'll play on the easiest mode possible, as long as I'm having fun. Yeah, if I'm having fun, <laughs> screw you. And you know what? Hey, talk to me when you've beaten Ninja Gaiden on the NES when you were 10, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that was not easy. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to brag. So let's get into some news. And, you know, I haven't done this in a while. You know, Lace is always doing the news. I had to, I had to put some news together, and it was kind of, you know, rejuvenating. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember doing this. It's kind of all right. This is, this is fun. So... First story I'm going to bring up, and it's actually sad that I have to bring this up since we were just talking about Lego Star Wars. Bad news coming out of its developing developing house. I'm struggling with words. TT Games. Uh, It seems that there are a number of current and former employees that have come forward to speak about forced crunch time and allegations of sexual harassment during the game's production At least 40 employees resigned in 2021 due to these allegations, and while reports of crunch have subsided since the game's release, no big shock, there is still a bigger issue of the sexual harassment, which the company is choosing to ignore. You know, because that's what you do. In fact, Vice President and Studio Head Michael Denny reportedly attempted to dissuade employees from talking to Polygon, who first reported on these allegations and even accused Polygon of publishing the article to take attention away from the game. Because the game is more important, not the lives and well-being of your employees. All of this resurfaces as the company is also being bombarded by angry fans who have been complaining about game-breaking bugs. Now, while I personally have not come across any i have come across a glitch or two that i was like i don't know what to do and i've had to restart my game just to kind of get like a reset to it so i know they're there but apparently there are people being stuck to the point that like they cannot progress the game at all like they're stuck period so the company has actually remained silent for over a month about these bugs before finally tweeting that a patch was in the works but we don't know when it's going to come out. So we're working on it, but, you know, we'll, we'll let you know whenever it's convenient for us to patch your game. So uh, this, this is making my brain hurt here. So they they can tweet or send out a message about, we're going to patch your game. Mm-hmm. 
but then turn around and go, what's all this about sexual harassment? We don't know about none of that. Yeah. It's, <sighs> it's a shame, uh, honestly. And, I, you know, in all honesty, I can't remember a time where this company had actually come under fire like this. Like, yeah. I've never heard anything bad about TT Games, or at least I don't recollect any crunch time allegations, harassment allegations of any kind, sexual or verbal. Um, so I just It's disappointing to see them go down that road. Yeah. Kind of like when you start hearing bad things about Nintendo. They used to be kind of a pure company, and then when you start hearing that they're looking at, you know, these these predatory uh, microtransaction models and stuff like that, you're like, come on, man, y'all are better than this, but you're really not, I guess, because you're a company. Well, and and it kind of makes you wonder, you know, has the company recently become this way, or have they just been really good? all these years at covering it up and they're finally to the point where they can't cover it up anymore. Right. And Ugh. I I don't want to give up. We were just talking about how lovely the, the Lego Star Wars games are and I don't want to give them up. But if this becomes a trend, we got to we got to show them we care with our wallets. That's what we always talk about here. You want to you want to make these AAA companies hurt. They can continue to jack up the price, but if we ain't buying it, you know, I mean, you, they're, they're, their wallet's still getting hurt. So that's what we need to do as consumers. Don't support and buy these. I understand there are a lot of great people who work hard on these games, but we cannot let them get away with it. And that's why we vote with our wallet. Yeah, and, you know, that's honestly the only language that companies understand is the, the money aspect of things. Hmm. You take that away from them, things get changed. Oh. You know, and and on a similar side note to that, I'm curious since we kind of brought up uh, a little bit of the DC stuff earlier. I'm I'm curious to see if people will follow through with their threats to Aquaman two because of the whole Amber Heard thing. Now I'm not going to go into detail about all that because I could give a damn. Uh, but my wife and even Lace and I know you're listening. She's all into it. They love it. There, it's like crack. Uh, but I am curious, you know, all these people say, I'm going to boycott Aquaman too. We're not going to watch this movie. Well, she's only down to 10 minutes. Does it matter? We want her out. Okay. Are you going to prove it? Because you could talk all day. And a lot of these people do too. In the video game space, they're like, I'm not going to play this game with all these microtransactions. And the next thing you know, Call of Duty is like the number one game. You know, in the world that that weekend it come out, and you're just like, so I thought you weren't playing. I thought you weren't going to buy it. Ah, bah. It's okay. Bah. They still want to play their game. <laughs> Actions speak louder than words. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. And you know, while we're on the subject of Star Wars, our next story uh, is um, something you know. It's also disappointing because I'd love to report on EA and Respawn's follow-up to Jedi Fallen Order and how it could possibly see an early 2023 release or that its title could be Jedi Survivor. These are things that actually came out, and I'd love to talk about those things, but instead I want to bring up a story that was brought to light by Nora Shramick, and I hope I'm saying your last name correctly because it's what it looks like to me. Uh, she is, no pun intended here because I said she brought this to light, she's a lighting artist for Respawn, so don't don't take that as a joke. It just... 
That's how it happened. I'm sorry. Uh, it seemed that during initial development of Fallen Order, the team working on the game advocated for a diverse lead. A female Jedi, perhaps, or maybe a person of color, or maybe both, you know, because why not? It's not like Cal Kestis was some character that was well-established in the Jedi Star Wars universe, so why why, why not? Let's, let's do something different. Uh, while there was a woman of color featured prominently in the story, which was Seer Junda, I think I'm saying her name correctly, she was not the main character, and apparently for the higher-ups at Respawn, that was enough representation. That is a quote. Enough representation. Shramick elaborated by saying that the higher-ups, whose names were unfortunately not mentioned here, but I'd like to, I'd like to have a name, you know, to the kind of people that would say this, said that with two black people in the game and with the character of Ray being in the films and already being a woman, it was too much. It was too much. Now, to enforce how these statements were no doubt taken from a place of racist and sexist intent, Shramick pointed out that a separate incident um, where she was told that all the black people in the game must have glossier skin because, you know, black people have oilier skin. <sighs> Again, no names what? were given. Yeah. But Shramick, who no longer works with the company, which I wouldn't either after hearing some shit like that, uh, had been informed that, quote, changes were being made whatever that means. And I know things like this happen everywhere, but when you hear about it, it really makes things tough for you as a consumer because I'm like, do I want to buy your next game? I really don't because you've just ruined it for me. It it really makes me want to look back at the first game and just see the details that they might have put in because of it. Like, yeah. That's... <sighs> We are it's better than this as yeah, we we are better than this as a society. I thought we were at least. No, yeah. Well, the video <laughs> game industry seems to be a couple of decades behind on a lot of things. So, well, and and we we've discussed that on actually on on the first episode of the Horror Ramblings podcast. We briefly talked about video games, how they don't want their main character if if it's a woman in a video game, they don't want her to look too homely or mm-hmm. this that or the other. It, Get with the times, people. Get with the times. It doesn't change the game. It, I mean, all it does is showcase how ignorant you are because you can't play a game with a, a female protagonist. What does it matter? It's still a good game. The game, the character in the game changes nothing. That's just part of the story. Yeah. You, you still get a great game. If it's a shit game, it's a shit game. doesn't matter who's the lead. Great game. I don't know. Yeah. Gamers, man. I'm telling you. (sighs) Anyway, uh, the next story I'm going to bring up, we got a brand new look at the highly anticipated Gotham Knights. Now, in the video, we got to see actual gameplay footage with the characters of Nightwing and Red Hood, showcasing different styles and gameplay between the two. But, you know, it's that kind of similar but different where they kind of change it up, but still the same. We all know better. The footage also showcases a bit of co-op gameplay between the two players, which is exciting in its own right, I feel. Uh, There are even rumors circulating that the game could support up to four-player co-op, which would be amazing, considering there are still two other characters to play in the game, Batgirl and Robin. So, 
It's not outside the realm of possibility. It's just how much work the company wants to put into it. So I understand if it's a little too much, but I mean, if we're doing online co-op, why not? You know what I'm saying? Very There's true. plenty of four-player co-ops, but I, again, I don't know their t- uh, technical capability, so maybe it's difficult. I don't know. Now, along with this showcase came announcements of the official release date, uh, which will be on October 25th, which they may have said, but I'm just repeating it here so you know October 25th is when they say yes, but it could And everything in the AAA game market, just know delays could happen, so this could maybe not happen. Maybe not, but maybe. Uh, Available platforms for the game will be the PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, and S, and PC. No copies or no uh, versions on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, which was a bit surprising since we haven't seen a push to exclude previous generations. So this is going to be one of the first big AAA titles that's actually shoving the last generation to the wayside. And we've discussed that here on the show where it's with the shortage, the chip shortages, and no one can seem to get their hands on an Xbox uh, Series X or PlayStation 5. You understand where you kind of still want to give that port to the last gen because it's, you know, there's going to be a lot of people missing out. and But they state, the developer, said that their exclusion and the reason they only focused on current gen, the highest possible, you know, graphic capability, RAM, is so gamers get the best possible gameplay experience. Which I appreciate. You're not watering it down. And, you know, that's a note. CD Projekt Red could have used for cyberpunk anyway we won't get into that uh so what did you think about the gameplay did you did you happen to check the uh, the video out yes um I, I took a look at it um real quick question i mm-hmm. you don't have to know the exact answer this makes how many games that they've done related to you know the arkham asylum arkham city all those they've done quite a few yeah, this now that depends on how we look at it because there were your three main games, which were Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Then there was the Arkham Origins game, which was handled by a different studio, but it was kind of in it was the same thing, just a prequel game. Then there was a handheld game, Arkham Origins Blackgate, which tied into the Origins game. Mm-hmm. Uh feel like there was another one in there somewhere but maybe i'm maybe i'm mistaken so oh. four technically if i'm or five technically if i'm counting correctly and i'm not missing one well r- regardless i, I <laughs> there are a ton of them yeah i will say this for them i do think over the games over the course that the games have played out the combat has gotten smoother, I think. Mm-hmm. I think that the gameplay as a whole has gotten smoother. They've introduced, you know, new little gadgets that Batman can use, that other characters can use as well. And to to me, maybe it's just because I'm a fan of that whole universe. To me, I find the games fun as hell. I do too, yeah. And seeing the gameplay for it, the best way I could put it, to me, it looked like a cross between the classic shoot 'em up games, um, Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
and fighting games, you know, like Mortal Kombat and all that. Yeah. The the fighting system looked really smooth from what I could tell. It's open world, which I love any game that's open world. Again, you and I are the same there, being able to explore a map, look mm. around, see crimes. It kind of gave me the vibe of the um, Spider-Man games. Yeah. You know, you, you can go around the city and, you know, if there's crime happening, you can stop it. The, the combat system, though, looks, like I said, it looks great. I like that they've given each character unique abilities because some of those games where you have, you know, multiplayer and you can have multiple characters, after a while it kind of feels like all the characters sort of are the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much customize, cu- customizability they're going to have. I probably butchered that word. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded right. Um, from from the video, it looked like you could customize quite a bit. Yeah, and, and... that's a big takeaway for me. Uh, I, I'm that guy that will spend an hour designing a character and you know making different changes. You know, do I want their eyes this color or this color? And I, I know that this game is probably not going to be that detailed. Right. But the fact that you you know you can change up the look of the character a little bit, things like that, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I hope they have some maybe hidden things in the map that could unlock some extra things for people. Sure. I'm really interested to see how driving in the game goes. Um, in in the video that I watched, um, it it showed Red Hood, I believe, mm-hmm. jumping into a vehicle that someone was trying to steal. Run, yeah. run, run off with and it looks it looks fantastic now how that's going to play out when you're actually playing the game who exactly knows you know it if they do it right it'll be epic but again that's one of those things until i have a controller in my hand and i can play that part out that's the only thing that i'm like i wonder how that's going to be yeah but as far as as far as the gameplay itself goes i think it's going to be fantastic i think they've always seemed to improve upon previous versions Mm. and that's one thing that i really appreciate about appreciate about these games they've they've never really let me down it's one of those games that even if the story might be lacking a little bit or even if you know something might be a little off or i don't like the way that something ends the gameplay is always fun to me yeah so i will give it that all day Mm. what about you what 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 did you think (laughs) I'm excited for it. The uh, Arkham formula, I guess I would call it, when it comes to combat, it it seemed very intact. Like, watching Robin, not Robin, Nightwing. He was Robin, we know. Uh, When he was bouncing back and forth between enemies, I was like, yeah, this has a very Arkham-esque feel to it, where when you're fighting as Batman, if you're hitting the right buttons, you're doing this, you're doing that, you bounce, and you just take out all the enemies all at once. The co-op is what I would really love to see more of, especially if they do the four-player. Because if if we're doing... Because localized co-op for a game like that is just not going to fly. So we all know it's going to have to be online co-op. You get your buddy, whether you got one, whether you got three more to play with you and you've got a whole team. How does that play out? Like where you're at in the story, where I'm at in the story, do we all kind of... You know, how does that work, I, I guess, is what I'm curious about. Because I think the only time I've really done kind of an, uh, an online co-op with someone playing a game like that was in Dying Light. And it seemed as though 
one person's story would be progressed, but you would help them on it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that works the same way here, or if maybe if we all started the same game together, would we progress the story together? Um, if I fell behind, would I just help you up until a point, and then my story would progress further as we go along together, or what? That's that's kind of what I'm curious about. Or does it have to be a separate game altogether? So you've got your single player and you've got your co-op. They still play the same story, but they're two different save files. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm curious about how all that's going to work, and I'm kind of hoping maybe in the next video, if they showcase, which they should, Batgirl and Robin, uh, how the co-op actually works and go into more detail, especially when it comes to playing together long-term story-wise. Because if I can play the entire story with someone, I'd like to do that. I think that would be fun. And you can experience it together. Well, and I also think it'll be interesting to see the different characters have different skill sets. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how they factor all of that into the game. Because I I know that they will, but it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting nonetheless to, to see how that all factors in and in in the combat situation you know if they do a co-op with four players things could get a little messy looking yeah when oh, you're yeah. When, when you're all fighting so it'd be interesting to see you know you know are there going to be parts in the game where you know if you hit the right button at the right time when you're next to another person in co-op you know will will nightwing help throw you know batgirl into somebody to to fight or little things like that you know yeah different team up moves and stuff like that i think that would be interesting to see if they're going to do that i don't know that 100 percent, but well one thing that just kind of came to mind as you're talking about that that i think would be really cool is say maybe uh you and your friend playing together maybe you're just doing two-player co-op just kind of keep it simple for right now but you come on to uh like a street gang happening you know and there's a big truck there everyone starts fighting then you have that one guy that jumps in the vehicle kind of like they're doing spider-man and then they take off and then you've got to go chase the car down so if that situation happened one of you could go after the truck while the other person hangs out and you know continues to battle all the thugs in the street wouldn't that be cool because then that gives you a reason to kind of split up and handle two different things at once i think that would be neat so you're you're not having to always rely on each other or maybe you can both run around Gotham City and taking care of separate crimes together. So you're patrolling different sections separately. Why not? I don't know. I just There are op- opportunities just thinking about it. I don't know how feasible it is, but today's gaming, I mean, this is not Nintendo days. This is like, we could do this. It could yeah. happen. So I'm, um, I'm hoping it's that intricate is what I'm, I guess, yeah. hoping for most. And I think that's why... I think that's why it's not available on some of the older consoles. Yeah. You know, like 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 you had said, I think it's more we need more power to do these things in these mm-hmm. games. And it, it does suck because I have an Xbox One, so I'll be missing out. Yeah. You know, I, I was a Sony kid, but getting my hands on a PS5 has been impossible. Oh, yeah. it's <laughs> It's insane. And... You know, it, it is unfortunate, but when those systems do become available again and a little bit easier to purchase, you know, I guess I, I can look at it from the angle that I'll have a lot of games to play. Oh, yeah, for sure. When I get it, you know, you 
there's nothing I can do about it. I can't magically, you know, stop the chip shortage or anything. So no. you you kind of have to look at it like uh, the glass is half full, I suppose. But well, according to Sony, everybody should be able to get their PlayStation this year. So we'll see how true that becomes. That's all I'm saying. If people would stop, you know, harvesting them for eBay, everybody would have one anyway. Uh, <laughs> so. As with most big game releases just like this, comes the inevitable multi-tiered purchasing pyramid. And this game is no different. We've got your $70 standard edition, which if you pre-order now, nets you the 233 custom bat cycle skin, which is a variant for your bat cycle, which apparently everybody can use in the game. Uh, it's designed after the vehicle's first appearance in Detective Comics number 233. But so it's not like that bat cycle. It just has a. There's something about it that makes it look unique. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look like the original bat cycle. So just keep that in mind if you were kind of hoping for that design. That's not what it is. It's some special nonsense that they put together. Anyway, um, so it's to entice you because you can get this custom skin. Now, for $90, you get the Deluxe Edition, which nets you that, plus exclusive Nightwatch by Jim Lee, a trag transmog, whatever the hell that is. I don't know what trags transmogs are. It's, uh, it's something in the game. That's all I'm going to assume it is, because I have no idea. Anyway, so you can get that. You can get a Beyond Suit Style for each character which are inspired by Batman Beyond which are actually pretty cool so check those out if you haven't seen them there is salvage for making additional gear boosted gear exclusive emotes and three exclusive suit colorways whatever that is so if you want the deluxe edition you can get that but <clears throat> if you're finally the biggest true bat fan in the world and you've got money to throw around, and I'm talking serious bucks, you can get your hand on the Collector's Edition. You want to take a guess how much this bad boy is? Probably $200. $300! Oh, that's close. <laughs> so, you get everything in the Deluxe Edition, plus Gotham Knights exclusive New Guard statue. So I'm guessing that's some big thing you can put on your mantle. An LED book packaging, 16-page media book, Prometheum New Guard Transmogs, which is that word again, so it must be something in the game. Jim Lee Certificate of Authenticity, Augmented Reality Talon Key, and a map of Gotham City. Wow. So a lot. But <laughs> if you were thinking, oh man, I gotta get that, keep in mind that if you have the digital only PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series S, you will need to purchase a digital version of the game because the collector's edition only includes a physical copy. So you would be double dipping or you maybe get someone to buy you the digital and then you get that and you give them the physical. I don't know. You figure it out with your friends and make that happen, but just be aware if you're a lonely person. That is <laughs> that is so irritating. I know, but that's you, what they do. You, you, you would think that with all the money that people spend on video games and everything, that the companies would be able to go, there's a code inside of here along with disc for the digital copy. We know you mm -hmm. wanted the physical stuff. 
but obviously they're going to lose money on that. So sure. And while you were speaking, because I was curious, a transmog mm. provides the ability to replace the appearance of your armor and weapons with those of other items or to hide certain pieces of armor. See, now that makes sense because now it piece <laughs> like it tracks in my head. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, I've done that in other games before. Okay, cool. Great. They should. Fantastic. They should give you a Joker skin where you can run around as the Joker and just that would beat be the fun. crap out of people. That would be kind of <laughs> cool. It's kind of like in um, in the uh, Spider-Man video game. They have the Stan in the one game. They have the Stan Lee skin. Yeah, <laughs> and you can you can swing around yelling Excelsior and everything. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> uh, next thing we're going to talk about is that damned Nintendo Indie World showcase because you know WB wasn't the only one showing off their games this week. Nintendo debuted a huge indie showcase, revealing a few new titles that are either upcoming or available now on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I want to touch on a few that were interesting to me. If you uh, have any after, like if any of the ones that I bring up, I didn't bring up that you uh, were interested in, just let me know. And uh, we'll, we'll go through what we thought were interesting or from what we saw. Uh, the first one that I saw that I want to talk about was Gumbrella. It's a new game from Doinksoft. I've never heard of, or at least I don't recall hearing about them. A developer of Gato Roboto. I'm sure I said that wrong. Gumbrella lets players wield the titular Gumbrella, letting them glide, swing, and shoot in gritty side-scrolling combat. Described as a noir punk adventure starring a gruff woodsman on a quest for revenge, players fight crime and the supernatural and upgrade their Gumbrella using scavenged parts. What'd you think about that? Uh, That was actually one of the games that I put on my list. Mm. Um, I love the whole aesthetic of the game. The look yeah. of the game, I like that it plays like a classic side-scroller. Mm-hmm. The ability to scavenge and improve upon your Gumbrella is amazing. And the bosses, some of the boss battles and things that I had seen in the trailer for it, it just looks like it's going to be one hell of a fun game. Yeah, it, it <laughs> and, seemed like something up my alley. Yeah, I, I like the classic look, and I like the setting of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like the gameplay is going to be fun, too. Um, yeah. It kind of rubbed me like a... Um, it was like Mario meets Metroid to me. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. In a way. <laughs> but yeah, so, I want a Gumbrella now. So Yeah, for sure. We all do. <laughs> Penguin had it right. Uh, Gumbrella will be out in 2023, tentatively. So that's one we got to wait for, unfortunately. But it uh, looks like a lot of fun, so hopefully it'll it will be fun. Uh, the next one I had was called Another Crab's Adventure, or Treasure, excuse Treasure, me, I don't yep. know why I said adventure. Anyway, uh, developed by Going Under, developer Agro Crab, this crustacean-themed action-adventure game uh, is a new Souls-like, which the player, as a lowly shell, uh, lowly shellless hermit crab, I am struggling with words today, battles <laughs> a crustacean, or other crustaceans, on a quest to reclaim its armor. It looks great, but when they say Souls-like game, I check out. So I don't know if I will play this, despite it looking like it could be fun. Hollow Knight looked like it could be a lot of fun, and I'm sure there are a lot of people out there going, Hollow Knight is fun, but, you know, I just wasn't in the mood for that Souls 
stuff where you just you cannot do anything you know you die faster than you can do anything and it's just frustrating yeah I want well to have and fun and in the video they were making jokes about you know we're gonna make the game easy and the one guy kept making jokes about well if you don't have your armor on wouldn't it be cool if you got killed in one hit and all this other stuff and i'm like i really hope this is just a game that i can pick up the controller i can just go out into the levels and just slash my way through stuff I don't sometimes you need that yeah i don't mind challenging games but there's a there's a limit you know oh, when yeah. you're just trying to be uh, like a sadist just to watch me suffer you know it's not fun i don't like that i check out really really quick so we'll see 2023 is when it looks like it's going to come out uh, the next one, I was, this one really got me for, for just because of the vibes I got. Uh, it's called a Leckhead. It's a clever, challenging 2D platformer with clever mechanic. Uh, whatever a the tiny robot touches, he can throw his head. He can, you know, charge things up with his flow of electricity. And then it just creates this brilliant puzzle platformer that I, I thought looked like a lot of fun. Kind of gave me Mega Man vibes. I was just going to say that, actually. It, yeah. it it made me think Mega Man the instant that I saw it. And when he threw his head, I I fell in love with the game as soon as I saw him do that. Yeah. And I love puzzle games, and it doesn't mm. seem like it's overly complicated puzzles. No, it's just trying to, you know, deduce the room and figure out what to do. And, and there is a time, uh, I know when he throws his head, you have to get back to it. I think it's 10 seconds or something of that mm. nature. But it looks like it's kind of a time strategy game as well. And I like those if they're done right. Yeah. But that that was one of the ones that I had to put on. And if I remember right, I believe that game was designed by one man. Which wouldn't surprise me. I, I, I believe, oh, what was his name? I think it's uh, Nama Takahashi. I might have said right. that wrong. That sounds right. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I I thought it looked a lot like Mega Man, and I thought it looked really cool. Yeah, and it's coming out summer uh, of this year, so hopefully we won't have to wait too much longer to see if it's a good game. Looks yeah. like a lot of fun. I really hope to hear great things about it. Yeah. Uh, the next one I had is an older game, but it's now finally coming to the Switch called Ooblets. It's a Pokemon-esque life simulation uh, where players can grow and train the titular ooblets as they build a life in Badgetown. You got mini games, customization, friendly neighbors to keep the whole ooblets experience fresh. Uh, summer 2021 or 22 also. This game, I actually remembered it. Like, I had to, to, to look it up to see if this was the game I was thinking of back in, it might have been last year, as I remember. Or, no, when the. 2020 so whenever it released uh there was some controversy surrounding the game because it was going to be like an epic games exclusive and the game designer was just like hey everybody chill out what are you freaking out for you toxic you know people in your games you're just so worried just just chill out dude and you know gamers were like fuck you because <laughs> you know that's how they are uh, and then he kind of took it a step too far where he's just like, gosh, you've got to chill out, man. You're just so toxic. Uh, and, you know, gamers don't want to hear that. So they just continue. It's volatile back and forth, back and forth. And finally, people are just like, shut up, dude. Just chill. 
And he finally apologized. I remember something like that. So, um, good to see it didn't ruin the game. <laughs> and now it's on the Switch. So, two years later, if you were kind of wanting to play that, but you didn't want to get the Epic Game Store, hey, now you got the, the Switch option. Yeah, uh, I, put that on, I put that on my maybe list. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it looked like a lot of fun. But when I watched the trailer, there was just so much going on in it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this, this looks fun. It looks like it could be a little, a little much sometimes. But that might be one of the games that I give a try. Yeah. I was kind of like, eh. I just don't remember hearing much outside the controversy. I don't remember people saying, oh, my God, this is the greatest game. Oh, my God, it's such a hidden gem. I don't remember anything. This is the first I remember hearing about him for two years. So yeah. it must not have made that much of an impact. So, But, you know, kudos that they're on the Switch now, I guess. Uh, what else? A totally accurate battle simulator. This is a blocky, low-res phalanx of the 16th century uh, Japanese warriors. They've got, you know, they're ready their shields and their swords, and they, they go against oncoming warriors of all different kinds. You can set up weird scenarios with different types of characters, cavemen, uh, animals, whatever. It's, it's kind of like one of those physics-based, you know, ragdoll kind of kind of games kind of a strategy sim i guess it would be the the proper term for it comes out this summer i don't know if i'd go out of my way to play it but it could be fun kind of like um what was that one game human fall flat which is also kind of that physics base where you're like this little white blob of a thing and you're just flopping around i i like the ragdoll physics of it yeah i think that's fun if it's if it's like really if it's really low cost to get it or if they maybe put it on for free hmm. i'd probably give it a download i i like games that are kind of goofy and you don't really have to you don't really have to focus too much on you know yeah. it, it doesn't look like it takes itself too serious no no not at all i think it's just it, it'd be a fun game to have some laughs with sure especially so. if you can do it two player or something and you're just messing about yeah, you know, I know that Katrina and I had a lot of fun with Human Fall Flat, just screwing with each other and doing stupid. Because the the physics of it all is what kind of makes it entertaining. It can make yeah. it frustrating, but it can also make it entertaining. So, I get it. Uh, Soundfall. It's a fun blend of music based rhythm gaming, dungeon crawler, and looter shooter. You'd guide your guardian of harmony solo or up with four players. Uh, it looks like it's not just on the Switch. It's uh, available on PlayStation. Might be on Xbox. Maybe I don't know. I've heard kind of good things about it. Uh, I might check it out at some point. Again, might be one of those that, if it's free, I might check it out. Or yeah. to have to hear a lot of good stuff about it. I I know I sound cheap, but come on, man. So many games, you know. Yeah, and honestly, when I when I watched the trailer for it, I kind of wrapped my head around it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I I don't know if this would necessarily be for me. It looks fun. I'm on the fence on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, it was also that isometric 3D where it's kind of like you're not quite top down, but you're kind of in that odd angle. Games yeah. like that, uh, that's another thing I'm not too keen on. So it's got a few things going against it. So some, it's going to have to a lot to sell me on that one. Uh, Cult of the Lamb... You fight your way through randomly generated worlds as a possessed lamb who owes a blood debt after being saved from a sacrifice. You create a loyal community of worshippers and fight through mysterious dungeons. I'm 
typically not a fan of this type of game, you know, the randomly generated bullshit, but uh, narratively and, you know, design-wise, it looks like it could be fun, so maybe I'd, I could get past that if the game itself and other aspects were more entertaining, but I, I just don't like that randomly generated nonsense. Ugh. I thought it looked unique, and... Uh... The biggest thing for me, which is going to make me sound really lame, but the biggest thing for me was I loved the title and yeah. the little story. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was great. Yeah, that was kind of the the selling point for me. I was like, that is kind of cool, but uh, the gameplay, I don't know. Yeah. So it's 50-50. Maybe, maybe we'll check it out. Uh, Slit. It's a harrowing, harrowing. I'm, I don't know why I'm saying it like that. Ocean Abyss. Uh, and you unravel forgotten mysteries, explore the dangerous waters, possess sea creatures, solve puzzles to travel deeper into the darkness. It reminded me of Limbo. Did you ever play that? You know, yes, I have, and that's that. I put it on my list for that reason. I thought Limbo was a fantastic game, mm-hmm. and when when this game showed up, and I got to see some of the gameplay for it, it, it made me think of that a lot. And just the whole atmosphere. It's got that creepy atmosphere, but you're so curious about everything that's going on in it as well because for being in black and white and, you know, black, white, and gray, I guess I should say, it's a beautiful-looking game. You you yeah. wouldn't think just with that basic color scheme and everything that it would, you know, have much to show, but it, I thought it looked like a beautiful game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I and, agree, and it... Um... Kind of one of the reasons I brought it up, just the, the aesthetic of it, the shadowing aesthetic, the creepiness to it. It could be a lot of fun. I also like the fact that you can um, take over different sea creatures. Yeah. It kind of adds a puzzle vibe to it, mm-hmm. which makes it unique. <laughs> I didn't get a date on that one, or at least it passed me up, so I don't know if it's out yet or if it's uh, coming out later this year. June of this year. Okay, so we got a month, so it's almost here. Uh, the last one I got is Card Shark. This was an adventure game full of cunning, intrigue, and delectable deceit. You enter a world where you need to play your opponents better than you play your cards. It intrigued me, you know, because it kind of looked like it was a card game, but it quite didn't quite look like that's all it was, but then it did, and it was just kind of bouncing back and forth to two different types of game and i'm like what is this and that was enough to make because i love when you can take two drastically different styles of gameplay and and make them intertwine in some way i know that there are a lot of other games out there or a few out there like this where you take two different styles and mesh them together to make a game like this and for the life of me i can't think of one right off the top of my head but anytime i see this kind of thing it just, it's everything I want. You know, yeah. give me something just wholly unique. This seems unique in, in a way. Or at least that's what I was reading into it. Maybe I'm mistaken. But I hope not. Yeah, to, to me, when I when I first watched the trailer for it, I thought to myself, is this just going to be just a random card game? Hmm. Is, is that all you're going to do this whole time? But then they started giving those subtle little hints that there was more to it. To me, it looks like your your goal of the game is to cheat and win without getting caught. Ah. And I, I kind of like that 
whole aspect of things because it's it, it takes something that already exists you know mm-hmm. card games and things like that exist but it kind of flips it on its head a little bit because it's encouraging you to do some underhanded things right i could be completely wrong on that but that's the vibe that i got from it yeah exactly <laughs> so. that's what i'm talking about it just it didn't quite like it sold me but it also kind of left me wondering okay but what is it you know yeah. like what what is the game itself as a whole so i don't I know think it, i think it was good advertisement because it keeps yeah. you want it keeps you wanting more yeah exactly so no I'm I'm down to try it if I hear some good things about it. I'll definitely check it out. I'm definitely going to read a review and see if someone can break down the gameplay and if it sounds like it would be something I would be interested in, in playing. Yeah. Uh, were there any other games that you wanted to bring up that you saw that you, you want to talk about? As funny as it sounds, our list was pretty much the same. <laughs> you had two games on your list that uh, were on my maybe list. So, okay. yeah, honestly, I... <laughs> I have no other games to really, really bring up. You you basically just got them all down. Perfect. <laughs> so, so if there's any I missed out there, siblings, I'm sorry. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter and say, "Hey, what about this game? What do you think of this game?" And I, you know, maybe I'll talk about it next week. But you got to do the work. You got to tell me to talk about it, and I will. Uh, quickets. We've got a few quickets here. What do we got? First things first, and we haven't talked about this in a while. Uh, and Lace is just going to be so upset she missed this one. Epic Games, there was a lawsuit that happened back in uh, 2021, April 2021. Finally got settled from Brandon Despotakis. 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 That's what his name looks like. He also goes by Blaze FN because that sounds like a douchey name. Uh, the the <laughs> lawsuit was settled out of court or in court or by the federal court of Australia in May on May 2nd. Uh, Despo Douchebag was caught selling in-game accounts to other players in Fortnite, which would then come with rare items and even cheats for the game. And while details of the final settlement are undisclosed, they did include the end of Blaze store, which I feel like should have already been shut down, and an undisclosed amount that he will be donating to the charity Child's Play, which we've supported in the past. So at least his, you know, blood money's going somewhere in the douche. Anyway, how about that? Had you getting sued over Fortnite. <laughs> right, exactly. But hey, uh, wow. Epic, Epic Games had some um, itchy trigger fingers there for a while, or at least they were getting a lot of lawsuits, so they finally were just like, well, it's our turn now. You remember <laughs> they were getting sued for uh, the dance moves, the Carlton, the... Yeah. Whatever. All I that. I remember it. Yeah. God, that seems like ages ago. Insane. Right. <laughs> Sony CFO Hiroki Totoki. I said that right. Stated that an in investor's call that he believes PlayStation would have to reduce its own investments in AAA games in order to justify offering them as day one titles on PlayStation Plus. Because that has been a topic of discussion where they are kicking off their new PlayStation Plus tier program. So you pay like $100 for more access to games. And I think there were some lower tiers or $100 might not have been the biggest tier. I don't remember. It was day it was weeks ago and I've already forgotten. Point being there are new tiers of PlayStation coming in June. 
that are going to get you access to older games, older older titles. So PlayStation Now is going to kind of fold over into that, which is something we've all talked about doing. And so if you wanted to play old PlayStation 3 games, PlayStation 4 games, PlayStation 1 and 2 games, if you want to go to that higher, higher tier, because you've got to pay more to get more, baby. They are saying that, hey, we're going to give you all this stuff, but to do what Microsoft is doing, which has always been a question we've had, how do you justify releasing games on Game Pass? Ten bucks a month. Day one. Brand new. On your service. How do the publishers and developers get their money? You know what I mean? So he's pointing out our concern. Like the one big question. How do you justify that? How do you do that? And maybe it's possible. I don't know. But I'm, I'm kind of with him. You know, how do you justify that? You're going to have to cut money somewhere to, to make up the difference. I, I know with Game Pass, um, not all games on there, but some games you start to play, you get really into it, and then you can get a notification that it's going to be going off of Game Pass. Mm-hmm. So you end up having to, if you want the game, you end up having to buy it. Sure. That doesn't completely justify it because there are some games that have been on there since I got my Xbox. So I don't know if maybe they're looking at it from that angle, like we'll give people a taste and mm. then eventually they'll, you know, pay for the game to keep it. Xbox yeah. does a lot of stuff that I'm like, I don't know how they do that either. You know, I, I still remember when when Sony was offering uh, PlayStation Plus for free. They had free yeah. online for the longest time, and that just irritated uh, Microsoft so very mm. much. And they ended up finally having to have people pay for it. I, I like the tier system, though. I mean, yeah. if, it, if people are going to pay more for something that they want, I don't see a problem with that. And I'm kind of in the boat where... I don't mind, like, I would try it just to see, but if I don't get anything from it, like, if I look at what I've paid for, kind of what I did with Apple TV, you know, I had gotten a free, um, free trial for Apple TV for like six months, and there were some shows on there that I wanted to watch. I put my time in for it, watched the shows I wanted to watch, and I know Severance is on there now, and I should be watching it, but... I canceled it before the show came on, people. Um, I was done watching the shows that I wanted to watch. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to justify paying for it if there's nothing on there I want to watch. So I canceled it. I will come back to it because Ted Lasso Season 3 is going to be coming back this year. And I'm going to watch that. So I will be paying for it. And then I can watch this show Severance everyone's talking about. But right now... No point. Same with this. If I pay for the higher tier, I go an entire year and I didn't feel like I got anything extra out of it, I go back to the cheaper tier. Because why am I paying for it? Yeah. Don't pay for something if you don't need to. Just, and sometimes, that's all I'm saying. And sometimes patience pays off. I mean, I recently wanted to watch a series on a streaming service. Um, We, we talked about this, uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Mm-hmm. Here I do, go talking about horror stuff again. <laughs> it was on a uh, streaming service exclusively, as I do my finger parentheses here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost paid for a streaming service. But I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to wait just for now, see what happens. I could I could pay for it for a month and binge watch it. Yeah. 
but then it became free on Tubi to watch. Which is like surprising. Patience. Yeah, so, you know, patience pays off. I'm not I'm not saying that it would work the same in the tier system, but you never know. They might yeah. they might offer some discounts. They might offer something at some point that's too good to pass up. See, like for for example, where you're at right now, where you said that you're still waiting for your PlayStation Five and you're gonna have a lot of games to catch up on, you getting like the second tier, which I don't remember if that was like Elite or something like that, but whatever the second tier was, that would be perfect for you because that automatically gives you access to a set amount of games for the PlayStation Five. So you'd get like God of War, you get Spider Man, you get uh, Death Stranding, uh, Returnal. I know there are a few more, but they give you like a set amount of games like that are all popular and well-known. And it's like, here you go. So these are yours to play. So that's already kind of a, a plus for you at the from the outset. That gives yeah. you games to play, and then you can go from there. Now, after that, you might not need them anymore. You may have got what you needed, and you're done. So who knows? And in all, in all honesty, I am, maybe I'm old-fashioned like this. I like to have a physical copy of the game. And yeah, I understand so, that. So so I will play, you know, I will play it if it's on the system where I can download it off of the system and I can play it that way. Hmm. But the minute that those games go on sale, the, the physical copies of those games go on sale, I'm buying those physical copies and then I might not need the tier anymore. I understand. So. I'm I've really leaned into digital here lately. I but when it comes to film, I do prefer having both like I want my physical copy and then I got my digital copy. There are certain ones that I can do without a, a physical copy. Like if it's just some little rinky dink movie that I saw and I was like, Oh man, that is kind of cool. And it's maybe like five bucks. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Why not? I'll yeah. add it to my digital collection, but stuff like Marvel films or very hard to find films, uh, certain horror films. I want, I want my physical. I want it right here in my hand. Yeah, you you, you want to be able to best, touch it. <laughs> yeah, best possible quality ever. That's what I want. Yeah. So it. Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, where are we at? Oh yeah. So Bethesda has announced that their upcoming video games Starfield and Redfall, which sound like two sides of the same coin for some reason, will no longer be released this year. Big surprise. Nintendo Switch looks like it will be getting a price drop, maybe, possibly, or at least the original model, like the before they updated it and made it flashier, uh, did the LED screen or whatever. I don't remember what it was. Anyway, uh, it could be going from $299 to $250. I don't know if that's 100% official yet, but I thought I'd bring it up just in case. So if you're looking to get one, might be time to look. The Call of Duty Warzone Monarch expansion is said to allow players to control Godzilla and King Kong. Prove it because I haven't seen any gameplay footage. I watched some gameplay footage of this thing and it was already was already talking about it on this show where I was like, man, they're going to make me play this game. And then I saw gameplay footage and it was Call of Duty. And I was like, see, this is why I wanted to see gameplay footage because nothing about that looks appealing. So you already lost me. But you show me playing the game monsters then yeah sure we'll talk because <laughs> that's what i want to do yeah uh new trailer for the new monster hunter rise sunbreak expansion was released showcasing new areas new concepts like the follower quest which are single player quests in which the player is teamed up with an npc from the campaign as well as the new switch skill swap ability which allows players to assign switch skills to two different load loadouts swapping 
which you can then swap between a hunt to kind of change up your tactics. Sounds pretty interesting, I suppose. But I haven't played the new one or Rise because it's on the Switch and I just don't have time for that. I, I, I don't have time for that. Hey, do you ever remember that game, Metal Gear Solid? One of my favorite games. There might be a remake in the work. Okay, I can so, live with that. Maybe. Maybe. Reportedly. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, do you like kart racers? Yes. Do you like adult animation characters like Peter Griffin and Hank Hill and Stan Smith and Corvo from Solar Opposites? Very much so. Okay. Do you have Apple Arcade? I could get Apple Arcade. Well, if you want to get <laughs> Apple Arcade, then you can possibly check out Warped Kart Racers when it releases on May 20th, and you can live that dream of racing carts with those characters. <laughs> For the rest of us, we're just going to have to, you know, do without, which may or may not be a good thing. Who knows? It could be a terrible game. Those kart sure racers. I'm pretty sure I saw some clips from that, and uh, I didn't know Hank Hill's mower could go that fast. So, <laughs> oh, Dang it, Bobby, get out of my way. <laughs> Speaking of which, Apple has officially discontinued the iPod, which honestly surprised me because I thought they already had. But Yeah, I didn't know they even remotely made those anymore. I thought everybody I, had an iPhone. <laughs> now, see, I, I have seen some people upset about it, honestly. But why? <laughs> well, w one guy put it perfect. He he said, I love having my iPod because it has all my, you know, he's like, it has all my songs on it. And he said, I like to leave my phone away half the time. And he had one of the smaller iPods. Okay. And, you know, he's like, it was even smaller than my phone. I could put it in my pocket, put my earbuds on. And just forget about it. So I, I get it from that from that perspective. I mean, I was never an iPhone or an iPod guy. Yeah. Me uh, I had a Zune. Nice. And I loved my Zune. Mm -hmm. The the, the short-lived MP3 player from, from <laughs> Microsoft, which is wonderful. And, you know, Star-Lord has one in Guardians right. of the Galaxy now. So it's, it's making a comeback. I know it. But yeah, I I had just seen about them discontinuing the iPod, and I'm right there with you. I'm like, they hadn't already done that. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. I was like, all right, well, cool. But uh, you know, I guess I can understand it from that perspective of not wanting to carry your phone around. So I get I get it. Uh, EA will no longer use the name FIFA in its soccer slash football franchise, which is a move that stemmed from a falling out between the company and FIFA. Over licensing rights. Who cares? Screw EA. Garbage company. Evil Dead the game. You know that game that just came out? It just came out. I haven't played it and I know Lace is wanting to, to get on it. So we should do that. You should get on it too and then we could all play together. That would be a lot of fun and we could review it. That's right. We could do that. Okay, so the, we, may, we might be plotting a new episode so just so you're aware. Uh, Evil Dead the Game will feature a special skin for Ash Williams created by the one and only Tom Savini, much like he did for the Friday the 13th game. Uh, the skin, however, will be limited to those who can get their hands on the collector's edition of the game. Also, much like the Jason skin, you had to be a Kickstarter donator for a certain yeah. tier or whatever. I got that son of a bitch, though. Uh... <laughs> 
Screenwriter Jeremy Slater, who is currently working on the script for Mortal Kombat 2, said that he isn't sure how much of the story Johnny Cage will be featured in. Now, as a writer, isn't it your job to know how much a character is going to be in a movie because you're writing the story? Yeah. That was kind of an odd comment. Now, maybe he hasn't got that far. Maybe he doesn't know which way to go. So maybe if he, he's that far away, but it says he's currently working on the script. So I kind of feel like you should have a goal in mind of how much you want the movie to center on Johnny Cage. It's a bizarre comment. Extremely bizarre. Comment. bizarre. Finally, there was a teaser for the upcoming Resident Evil Netflix series that dropped this week. What'd you think? Did you, did you check that out? I... Checked out half of it before I got called away again. Adult life, yay. Mm. Um, what I did see of it, though, I'm going to let it play out okay, and see how it looks. I'm... How do I put it? I'm really sort of on the snobby side of Resident Evil, I guess you could say. Um mm-hmm. We grew up playing the video games. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the movies really have nothing to do with the video games. Um, but we all went and watched the movies when the movies came out. And mm-hmm. because, because, because I kind of grew up with those movies to a degree, that's what I'm used to seeing. So when I see something that's more accurate toward the video games or different it kind of throws me for a loop at first Hmm. doesn't necessarily you know mean that i think it's going to be bad or anything like that but netflix with their series sometimes i'm on the fence with it yeah because that this could definitely be one of those where they leave us hanging like they did with cowboy bebop you bastards (laughs) but uh i'm just kind of like i mean I'll say that uh, Lance Reddick as uh, Wesker is, is an inspired choice, but yeah. just because you put a great actor in an interesting role like that doesn't mean it's going to be good. And how how much of it is he even going to be in? Because it's supposed to be about his kids. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it, I'm I give him credit for at least trying something different and not trying to just replicate the movie again. Because I haven't even seen Welcome to Raccoon City, and I've heard it's a dumpster fire or boring or it is a i've not seen it either i have watched uh some reviews of it and from my understanding even the most hardcore resident evil video game fan has a hard time following it because they wrap the first and the second video game i believe into this movie and they don't really explain anything so if you go into this movie not knowing anything from the games which some of the audience is just people who want to watch a movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess you're really lost in it. Oh, great. So. <laughs> well, that's and, fun to know. And we all, we all know that uh, you, you shouldn't get too attached to a Netflix series because normally they get canceled after one season. Like you said, Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. And Netflix is under some fire right now on a, on a random note here. They're uh, talking about adding ads into Netflix for cheaper peers and they're supposedly talking about uh, promoting password sharing again. 
which, you know, is the thing that is all of their decision making has got them under fire for so many reasons, because you want to do ads? Fine. Hulu does ads, but you better make it as cheap as Hulu. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other part of it that frustrates me more than anything is I'm paying more for Netflix and getting less from it than all the other uh, streaming services that I pay for. And I've started to wonder, I was like, why am I still paying for this? It's because they always find like one little thing they want to drop and be like, I know you want to watch it. I'm like, you son of a bitch, I do. And you just suck me, got me for another month. You know? That That's exactly how I am. I Here lately, Netflix has had nothing for me, but then I see the next season of Stranger Things coming out. And you know as well as I do, one of my favorite actors, Robert England. Mm-hmm. is going to be in it and they keep dropping little trailers and everything i keep seeing all these things and i'm like why why are you doing this to me so it may have to just turn into uh getting on netflix when it's convenient or yeah. or when they drop everything you just wait and just be like all right well now i'll pay for it for a month and then i'm off and on off and on so it it'd be nice if they just had a feature where you could just click a button It'd be like, no Netflix for you, but when you're ready, just hit this button and yeah. you're good. That'd It'd be, be nice. nice. <laughs> but no, they it's anytime you do that, oh what? What if what? What why are you going? What is going on? What's happening? It's like, don't worry about it. Just I don't wanna I don't wanna pay for this. Oh, but come on, what if we make it cheaper for you? What if we do this for you? Hey, hey, what about this? You want that? No. Leave me alone. <laughs> They're like that X that won't go away. <laughs> <laughs> But in any case, Resident Evil, Netflix, we'll see. I, I don't have high hopes for it, but maybe it'll surprise me. Who knows? Uh, I've got one bit of weird news I want to share with you because this seemed like it was just the perfect bit of weird news for the show that you were going to be on. So I'll ask you for up front, what do you think of when you think of VR? When I like, think of give me VR. A word. Other worlds is what I think of. Okay. What about immersion? Immersion. Okay. That would be that. That would be the second one I think to come to mind. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna dive off of immersion because I've always been a huge proponent of making VR more immersive, and and I really feel like the advancements in haptic technology is really helping that become more of a reality. So we feel little things, we do little things, and everything's more intricate because when it's you're moving and it's just not quite lining up. It just doesn't work. But when it can really immerse yourself into it and it just feels so real, that's when it's got you, you know. But in saying that, there are advancements, then there are limits. Yes. And it seems that there's a team of researchers at uh, Carnegie Mellon that have decided to pursue those limits and then go beyond them. Now, this team lined a board with numerous ultrasonic transducers, which have then been affixed to the bottom of an Oculus Quest 2. The transducers will emit ultrasonic energy, and they are positioned at the user's mouth to create a variety of sensations in and around the mouth. One demo gave the impression of smoking a cigarette, you know, minus the smoke and the cancer. The another 
simulated wind blowing across the face while you're riding a motorcycle. So you kind of feel the wind just hitting your face and all that. However, somebody decided to go a step farther. A step too far, in my opinion. <clears throat> now, this other demo, the user walks through a darkened area. And then you come across a spider web. And then you got to push through the spider web. And then, well, as you do so, you feel the spider web tickling your lip. And it kind of makes you uncomfortable because you're just like, ah, it's nasty. And especially if you're not keen on spiders. Now, <clears throat> if you relate to that last sentiment, you just don't want a spider web on you, <laughs> it gets better. You destroy the spider web. That alerts a nest of spiders, which will then begin to attack you and then make their way to your mouth and trying to get into your mouth. And then the user can actually use a flare gun to try and kill the spiders trying to attack you. But then in turn, that will also simulate the feeling of spider guts and goo splattering all over your face. So you got spider goo smack in your face. You got spiders trying to crawl in your mouth. And that sounds like fun, right? <laughs> Tons. Oh, man. Especially, think about that. Seeing it <sighs> in a VR headset. And you're just, you're going to freak out. I've seen people freak out just from like the visualization of something coming at you. You're like, ah, but feeling it? Holy shit. I think it's amazing that they were able to, to do that. I, yeah. I will admit that. That's amazing, but... Do we need that? You, yeah, why couldn't you have simulated something different? Like, I don't know, like the rain hitting your face or something. Yeah, yeah. Spiders crawl. I mean... Ooh. I guess they wanted to see how far they could take it. So uh, the technology, as it stands right now, is not consumer ready. But mark my words, when it is, we're going to see videos of people on the Internet <laughs> playing a VR horror game designed with this particular scenario in mind. And we're going to see so much damaged property. I promise you it will oh, happen. Yeah. Well, and they've started making those... Um it's a base that you basically strap yourself into and the whole bottom of the base is a touchpad and you mm -hmm. wear you wear socks on it and you can turn and you can run and you're in virtual reality just imagine being in a, a VR headset and being in one of those just running as fast as you can people won't need a gym anymore just put them in a horror VR and give them one of those bases to stand on let the spiders chase them oh yeah it'll wear them out ugh <laughs> That is what? that is a very cool story. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I want to see video of someone experiencing that demo or not. I just want to see it. I want to see. Yeah. I want to see it. Maybe there is one. <laughs> so I might have to look after we're done. Oh man. So that's all I got for quickets. That's all I got for news. Now I want to just do a little uh, deep dive. I want to talk to you. I want the siblings to get to know you, Already? because some of them may be horror fans like us. Maybe they, they're not, and maybe they just want to know who you are. Because, I mean, you're here. That's fine. If horror is not your crab leg, it's all good. You can move along, but I would prefer you just stick around. But if it is, you know, you can go check out Horror Ramblings. And in the first episode of Horror Ramblings, he put me through a bit of a questionnaire up front. So now it's my turn. <laughs> so uh, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask some questions. Not just okay. for my own sake, but for the sake of everybody else, to get to know you. Because I feel like if they get to know you here, they'll be like, hey, I want to go check them out on Horror Ramblings as well. 
And you never know. I might end up I might end up helping out on this show again if you'll That's have right. me. So no one no one said that this is the last time you'll ever hear him here as well. So this is just the first of many times. I'm sure we'll hear your delightful voice. Or everybody will I can see you, everyone else hears you, so there's a difference. Anyway. <laughs> uh the first question seems like it would be obvious, and I would be like, oh, what got you into horror? But you know what? That's the episode, that's that's the main topic of our first episode of Horror Rambling, so you got to go over there oh, to yeah. find that answer out, and you can hear my answer as well. But that's, that's over there. But instead, I'm going to ask, because this isn't your first podcast. This no. is not your first podcast uh, episode that you've ever recorded. Horror Rambling is not your first podcast that you've ever done. So it's not your first rodeo. Let's talk about your journey as a podcaster. What was your very first podcast and uh, what led you to Horror Ramblings? So my first actual podcast, um, I-, I had done some consulting work on some random podcasts with some people. But the first actual podcast that I did... Uh, was a podcast called Dirty Drinking Dads, which was a podcast that I did with a buddy of mine. Um, you ever want to hear the vulgar side of me, <laughs> that is the podcast to do it on. Um, we haven't recorded in quite a long time on that show, but we would have some beers. Uh, I would smoke a cigar, maybe two, mm-hmm. and we would talk about just... Very random things. It's crude. It doesn't care about people's feelings. We, we don't make fun of anybody or anything like that. I, I believe we had an episode called uh, Rednecks versus White Trash because that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was all in good fun. We, ne- we never like tried to say anything to hurt anybody's feelings or anything. We, we talked about uh, some serious subjects, things like that. I enjoyed the show uh, because I, I enjoy joking around. Mm-hmm. And I do have a vulgar sense of humor sometimes. Uh, but the horror side of me really wanted more. You know, I, I go to conventions. Um, I write. I've actually I've had you help me with some things that I've worked on writing-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are... In the process of still working on a script that we're working on, I know we've kind of gotten a little stagnant on that because right. things have been kind of busy. But I really wanted an outlet to talk about horror and my love for it. And I have a lot of very random opinions about a lot of random things, and I have a lot of useless knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you and I hit it off. We, we met at my wedding, actually, which was... On Halloween, mm-hmm. um, and that was 2020. We met, and we we hit it off pretty well. I had you look at some um, project of mine, a script that I was working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sent me over some things. We talked about it, and then randomly one day I talked to you about wanting to do a podcast, and you graciously were like, "Do you need a host?" You know, you need another host. I'd be willing to help, and you know that's how the Horror Ramblings podcast was born. Right. I enjoy talking to people. I hate the sound of my own voice, but I do enjoy talking with people. And there might be people out there that like what I have to say. And if anybody can take away from anything that I have to say, 
or if it can bring some people joy, well, I'll talk all day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really my podcast journey. I mean, it's not as, you know, extravagant as I'd like to say it is. I've, like I said, done a little bit of consultation stuff for some friends of mine, things like that. The The first podcast that I really had any kind of sort of control in was uh, the Dirty Drinking Dads podcast, though. Right. And I was mainly the co-host of that show. My, my friend was the one that wanted to do it. He had had a injured knee, and he wasn't working a whole lot. He saw podcasting as a way to sort of spice things up in his life. And I've known him forever, and he was like, Les, will you do this with me? And I said, sure, why not? So I did the editing, you know, I helped with the recording, but yeah, that's what led me on my podcast journey, and that's what's led me where I'm at right now. With that uh, in mind, I mean, you, you were kind of mentioning um, your writing, that you've done some writing in the past, that I have read uh, your your script. You have an obsession with, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy, and we've kind of touched on that, you mentioned that. I wanted to kind of mention the script that you wrote and the script that we're writing, have you kind of always felt like you've had a, a creative streak in you, like from a very young age, or did suddenly a desire just kind of bubble up in you one day and it's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this myself. I'm gonna try this myself and, and kind of kick that thing off. So, from the time I was a little kid, it, it started out um, artwork wise. I used to draw, I used to paint, and then I became obsessed with reading. And I would read and read. Uh, when I was in elementary school, I read the um, scary stories to tell in the dark books, mm -hmm. which were extremely controversial even at that time. Um, and then I thought, you know, I bet I could tell some good stories. And my aunt, may she rest in peace, who I was extremely close to. Um, she was my Aunt Jenny. My my daughter actually has her middle name because of my aunt. Um, my aunt used to tell me stories, and we used to go back and forth and tell each other stories all the time. And that always just resonated with me. Hmm. And she always used to tell me, uh, Les, you are one of the most creative little boys I know. Never give that up. And it was it was always my dream to make a movie I, I don't know why I saw people in movies and I always thought that was exciting. Yeah. And I always told everybody if if I got a movie made, my my first date to my big first movie would be my aunt. She's no longer with me, but I guess she would be there in spirit. But uh yeah, ever since I was a kid, I just enjoyed telling stories and everything else and I won't get too much into it because it is on the podcast. Mm. Um but I will say I was a scared kid for the longest time, and then that kind of changed. Um, and it changed because of Nightmare on Elm Street, which that's about all I'll say on that. That way, you know, there's some excitement on the other podcast there for people. But that has always been my go-to. Mm -hmm. And you you know the script that I um, that I worked on, I uh, had taken and thought why not do the Nightmare on Elm Street thing from a different angle? Right. And I thought of an idea that I, I'd i like to say not a lot of other people have thought about. 
I think it's a concept that not a lot of people have thought about. And I kind of pushed it, you know, into the world. I, you know, I hope that as we talk about that on one of our future episodes of Horror Ramblings, I hope the right people hear it. You know, dreams can come true. You never know. You never know. But I think the reason that I've focused so much on that script is because of the love that I have for that film franchise. Sure. Um, I've always been an idea guy. I can push ideas out there into the world all day. I'm not always good at executing them as much as I would like to say. Mm. You know, writing things out and everything. I'm very tedious with writing. And my writing style is definitely different. I will say that uh, that's that's one other area. There's a lot of areas where I'm glad that I met you. That's one area where I'm really glad that I met you because you are very elegant with your writing and with your speaking. And, you know, you've written things out and helped me rewrite some things. And it's really helped me a lot, which I am eternally grateful for. Um, And then obviously, you know, you sent me a post about a film festival, which led to us working on the uh, script that we're working on now. Mm -hmm. I know I, I remember that well because we talked about doing a short film and you said most of the most of the projects that you had you didn't know if you could really compress those down into something short yeah and so you asked me if there was anything i had and i just remember thinking well i do have one thing but it's (laughs) really out there and that's how the uh mr freak concept came into existence which is he's kind of like freddy meets pennywise meets the babadook he's (laughs) definitely something else but no, I, I would like to say that my creative side has always been has always been there. Mm-hmm. I just think that my aunt really brought that out because above anything else, when I was a kid, she listened to me. She valued what I had to say. Yeah. And like I, I hate to sound preachy, but if any of the listeners out there have kids and your kids are telling you things, just listen because that makes the world of difference to them so no i can speak to that because i cannot say with any kind of certainty that i had anyone championing like my creativity as a child or saying oh man what are you doing oh man that's really cool it's like everything that i created i would take to my parents or i would take to someone whose opinion i felt i valued and I never got any kind of feedback or any um, support on that. And it does. It makes a world of difference. I feel like that even now, they'll tell me all day long they support what I do. But anything that I've ever created, I've never felt that my parents got it. Or yeah. were just like, this is phenomenal what you've done here. Yeah. And... You know, it would be nice to hear that and know that it was genuine. I've always heard negative, you know, oh, my God, like I did this one video back in 2004. My mom won't let let me live it down. It's like one of the 
one things I guess you ever do and you just kind of feel embarrassed by, you're just like, ah, I don't know why I did that. In the moment, you know, it's pretentious filmmaking thinking, oh man, look at me, I'm doing something dark, I'm doing something gritty, I'm doing something real. <laughs> and I look back and I'm like, what the you know, and she, every time something's brought up of my work, that's the one my mom will bring up. And she's like, you scared me so bad. And I'm like, you realize it's fiction, right? I am perfectly fine. Yeah. And I'm I'm kind of lucky there. My my mom, my mom and dad, they, they are supportive. Just. They they don't talk about it with me as much as I would like to talk about it. Yeah, I. And you know, I I think I think that's why um, I think that's why you and I have have the friendship that we have now. When when we each discuss ideas, we know that the other person is genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. And you know, we I, I think we have a respect for each other's opinion on things. And I think that makes that makes the world a difference. Yeah, you know, especially when you have someone else to talk to, because there was a lot of projects that I wasn't working on that I kind of talked about with you. And it, you know, when you have somebody who sort of does the same thing you do and that person is like, man, that sounds really cool. It kind of re-energizes you to do things. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can honestly say that <laughs> as well. Yeah. So it, it does make a difference. And kind of what you said, you know, you, you want, them to ask you questions you want them to talk to you about it because for example i i I thought in the back of my head that my parents would be impressed by super mega crash adventures because it's an animated series that i did i animated i put all that together and it was not an easy task i never went to school for animation but i figured it out i figured out how to work it for me and i don't think they understand the work <laughs> that I put into it and it it bothers me a little bit you know like I just I want them to just be like I can't believe like all the time and effort you really put into it that's impressive yeah so yeah no I, I get where you're coming from um but you know what We're, we'll move on from that so yeah go ahead <laughs> this is a video game podcast and we haven't really talked about uh video games other than what you've been playing but were there ever any video games uh that you remember playing when you were growing up that were just like that meant a lot to you or were just like the go-tos so we had an original nintendo Mm -hmm. mom and dad picked up for us and um we had super mario brothers and my friends had you know (laughs) the latest greatest system at the time and i had this old school system (laughs) but all of our friends would come over and they're like, what is that thing? And I'm like, only one of the best things ever. And they're like, well, we have the latest, greatest thing. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have games like this. And our house kind of became like the go-to spot nice. for that. And I just, I remember playing a lot of Mario and having just so much fun with that. And Duck Hunt, Duck Hunt was big at our house. Yes. Probably though, the biggest game and this is going to sound weird, but the biggest game that I remember playing a lot uh, before I get into some other things here, we had a Super Nintendo as well. And there was a game called Yoshi's Tetris Attack. I remember that, yes. Um, My friend 
His name's Jeremy. Jeremy and I used to play Yoshi's Tetris Attack all the time. And we used to get combos so quickly that uh, you, you could drop blocks on your enemy. If you, mm. got, if you got four or five or six blocks matched, it would drop a block on your enemy. And if you did multiple matches like that in succession, it would drop an even bigger block on your enemy. And it would it would calculate it on the side. We would play so quickly that the system couldn't register it, and it would put question marks next to it. <laughs> and we did this all summer, all through the winter. I think for at least three years straight, we played that game every single day. And I, I will never, I will never forget it because even to this day, I have a little, um, I have a little Nintendo system one of those like little mini ones. Yeah, yeah. And and my one buddy uh he hacked into it and he put other games on it. <laughs> and Yoshi Tetris Attack was one of the games that he put on it. And to this day when he comes over, we sit and we play. And I I'm not old by any means. Not, neither one of us is old by any means. You're not right. old by any means. I'm not old by any means. My buddy's not old by any means, but I'll tell you one thing. My fingers do not work as quickly as they used to. <laughs> It, it it's still so much fun to play, but man, the the, the struggle is real. I bet. And, and and after after the Nintendo after the Super Nintendo, we got uh, into the Playstations, hmm. and uh, a lot of Dragon Ball Z fighting games. Uh, that is a prominent game in my life. Uh, I think the one was called Tenkaichi Budokai Three. And it had so many characters to unlock. You could unlock characters from the original Dragon Ball show mm. all the way up to uh, Dragon Ball GT and everything in between. Wow. And it, anyone who knows me, which this might be a little fun fact you don't know, when it comes to anime and things like that, I always gravitate toward like the old characters. I think they're really cool. And the old character in Dragon Ball Z is Master Roshi. Well, one of our big standout moments was uh, on the hardest difficulty of the game. My buddy Jeremy played as Master Roshi. And he went up against uh, Super Saiyan 4 Gogeta, which is like the strongest character in all of the game. And he played, I don't know, maybe 10 rounds. Wow. And he finally beat him. And this was before you had screen share. So I remember getting my phone out. I wish I had the video still. It might be on an old phone somewhere. We recorded on the phone him beating this character. <laughs> and it was the coolest thing ever to us. Um, as, far, as far as games, though, those would probably be my, my real big standouts. I will give a shout-out. I'm going to go back in time real quick because this is a really cool story. Um, So when the... When the original Pokemon games came out, Pokemon Red and Blue came out, um, the Game Boy Color was out. Hmm. We didn't have the money for me to get a Game Boy Color or to get a Pokemon game by any means. And kids were mean back then, but, you know, it was a different kind of mean. It was, you know, oh, you don't have this. Yeah. You know, you're lame because you don't have this. And at school, they let us, you know, have our Game Boys during recess. 
well, we went to the pawn shop, and uh, the guy at the pawn shop was talking to my dad, and my dad said, you don't have any Game Boys for sale, do you? Well, he had a classic Game Boy, not a Game Boy Color, the big gray one. And he was like, how much is it? The guy told my dad, and dad knew I was bummed about not having a Game Boy Color, and he was like, you want the Game Boy? I said, sure, Dad, why not? He's like, well, let's get a couple games. Well, the guy gave us um, a Kirby game and a Legend of Zelda game. And I went out on a whim, and I was like, you don't have any Pokemon games, do you? And he knew, you know, what was popular at the time. He's like, I know I don't have red or blue, but let me take a look real quick. And he pulls out a yellow cartridge with Pikachu on the front of it. Nice. Pokemon Yellow. And Pokemon Yellow, Pikachu follows you around in it. Which at the time, none of the other games did that. Right. So when I went back to school, I brought my Game Boy. I was so proud of myself. Everybody was like, that's not even a Game Boy Color. That's a normal old Game Boy. I said, yeah, but look at this. And I turned on Pokemon Yellow. And as soon as they saw Pikachu with me, I was the coolest kid in third grade. <laughs> but I will never forget that. Because it was just, it was just a phenomenal thing. You know, we, we didn't, we weren't poor by any means growing up. Yeah. But, you know, we got by. That's the best way I could put it. So when mom and dad could do little things for us like that, they did. And to me, that's still one of the biggest things. I had that Game Boy for years my, my sister used to take it to work with her when she worked third shift. She'd play Pokemon, and then she'd bring it home. I'd get on it and play. I used to buy the uh, magnifying lens lenses with the lights. Yeah. Because screens didn't always used to be, you know, <laughs> lighted. They didn't have the light built into them. But, yeah, I think I think with gaming, uh, I was pretty average. You know, I Pokemon, I played... Um, Mario, Yoshi's Tetris Attack. Mm -hmm. uh, I really loved the medieval games as well. Yeah, yeah. Growing up, um, but yeah, I was I was pretty basic with my games, and I've I've always gamed off and on over the years. Mm -hmm. um, I I wish I could say that I'm an avid gamer because I used to be, but again, adult life, you know, things right. just kind of come up. But I I still play and. A lot of Mario Party. I play a lot of stuff with uh, with my son. Hmm. You know, we uh, we like to game together. He'd rather play the Xbox than the Switch. I don't know when that change happened, but it is what it is. <laughs> Kids growing up, that's what that is. Yep. <laughs> well, we're we're kind of running close to two hours. I was I had a few more questions, but you know what? They're actually uh, good questions for a, a different podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna set those aside. I'm gonna tuck those away for another episode. Alrighty. that we've discussed. But I, I do want to finish off with one question that uh, Katrina actually posed, and she's like, you know what, you want, to ask, you want to ask him a question? You want to ask him about something? Ask him about the clowns littered all over his mother's living room. <laughs> and so tell me about this, this room that traumatized my wife. <laughs> so my mother decided that she wanted to start collecting something. And for some god-awful reason, she decided it was going to be clowns. Now, we have a lot of really cool clowns. We have some cute ones and everything. But 
we have a built-in cabinet in our front room that at one point in time, it's not as bad now, but at one point in time was loaded to the brim, front to back, with clowns to the point that you couldn't even see some of the ones in the back. Yikes. We had shelves. We had two shelves in the front room that were also full of clowns. And our TV stand had clowns on it. If that weren't bad enough, though, I know what your wife was scared of. <laughs> when you would walk into our house and go into our front room, on the ceiling, nothing but clowns hanging from swings. And a lot of those creepy little buggers were looking down at you. <laughs> it was a sight. And I'll tell you one thing. It's no joke when when they talk about things looking look creepier in the dark you turn the lights out those evil little smiles all over the place and you'll have to ask her when you get the chance we had one that you would wind it up and it would play music and its head would turn like in a circle mm -hmm. motion but its head was made out of like a um i don't want to say styrofoam but it was kind of like that so it yeah. would make these god awful noises when it would turn its head it'd be this like while I was playing music. So <laughs> I can understand why she would uh, be afraid of clowns. I I'll give her the respect, though. She she would come to the house to see me. Um, for the listeners that don't know, uh, your wife and I are, you know, old friends. We were the best of friends in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that we're still the best of friends today. Oh, yeah. You guys, you guys live a ways away from us, but the nice thing is, is whenever we, when, whenever we actually do see each other, we don't skip a beat. It's like things never. It's like no time went by, and that's right. that's what that's what a real friendship is. It's like time doesn't go by. But yeah, when when she would come over, she would rush to come into my room where there was no clowns. It was a clown-free zone. But I remember her coming in and putting her hand like up on her on her forehead and blocking out from seeing the ceiling. And my mom used to like be oblivious to it and just, you know, what, what's wrong? Oh, nothing. And I've told my mom a few times that, you know, <laughs> she's freaked out of clowns and mom was like, Oh, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we had a clown room and maybe that's why I'm as crazy as I am. It could be, I don't know. Could but be. Gra grandma collected cows. Gra uh, mom collected clowns. So, <laughs> Well, there you have it, everybody. Clowns, horror, video games, the whole shebang. You've gotten to know Lester a little bit. I say a little bit. Uh, we, we could have gone a little deeper, but we're, we're hemorrhaging on that two hours, and we know you guys don't like to, to stick around much longer than that. Or maybe some of you do. I don't know. We're just trying to be <laughs> respective of your time. But that's our show. You can uh, hit us up sometime on Twitter at SuperMegaCrash. Send us an email at supermegacrash at gmail.com. You can hop over to Instagram, view that weekly icon art. I think you're going to love this one. Uh, if you want to support the show, why not leave us one of those beautiful five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts, or you can do it on Spotify. You want to do more, you can do it over to patreon.com slash pencil and paper productions. Chuck in a buck if you want. If, you, if we ever get more patrons, I'll start doing more bonus content. But, you know, right now it's just there's no uh, there's incentive. I need incentive. They need incentive. That's how this works. It's not going to work. Anyway, 
Uh, if you love our little show, you want to share it with a friend who loves video games and podcasts, you can tell them to find us on any major podcasting platform, youtube.com slash pencilpaperproductions, and even pencilpaperproductions.com slash crash. Links are always in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephen White. And I'm Les Blosser. And you can find us both on Horror Ramblings at all the links down below. Join us again next time, Super Mega Crash siblings. But until then, game on. This has been a Pencil and Paper Podcast Network production.